uh, comic fist. No Harry Potter movie is good. Oh, sorry. Just walk in front of you here. Gonna put my pop down. Oh, sorry. Gotta put this here. <laughs> Universal needs to sue Sony. Hey, I'm an idiot. I was fired from Fox. <laughs> I'd like actually to see Venom just crush Spider-Man. Hello, everyone. We're back today and for episode four. Um, and we're joined by a very special guest again, as we have been for every episode. April Mullen, how are you doing? Hello, very well. I'm wonderful. Thank you. How are you too? We're pretty good. Uh, so we have an award-winning director who has who started as as an actor, which is kind of crazy. And <laughs> hey, look, I'm just going to say one thing. If you were nominated for, in an award festival called the Badass Awards, then you, you got to be doing something right. So <laughs> thanks. Yeah, it's been a whirlwind for sure. It's been a fun, you know, few decades. And we're going to definitely try to drill into some of your new movie later on, Hello Stranger, which looks, literally, it looks amazing. Like, I'm, so you better be ready for that because there's going to be questions. <laughs> I don't know how much I can tell you except that um, upstairs I was editing with the editor all day this morning. We're close to locking picture. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So let's. Let's start at the beginning, though. Before we go to the future, let's start all the way at the beginning. Okay. How did you get into film? Uh, how did you kind of decide this is something that was going to be your passion or for your entire future? <laughs> um, my parents would say it started at, like, the age of eight when I would round up all the kids on the block and I'd put them in costumes and write a story and then put them in this weird location and play some music. And all the parents were charged a loony to come and watch the show. So <laughs> I was like very obsessed with creating stories and moving the audience and um, a spectacle. And uh, it started at a young age and directing too, you know, I would block the, block the kids out. Some of them were two, some of them were four. They all had their strengths and I would make sure they would play the right part. And so my parents would say it started really young, but realistically, I went to uh, Ryerson Theater School, and then I graduated and I took my 1980s Oldsmobile and drove it down to Los Angeles because I was determined, you know, my tail was wagging and I was all pumped up and I just decided, okay, you have to go to where the industry's at. So um, I started auditioning and then, you know, how LA is. Nobody was really calling. <laughs> so then I thought, okay, uh, I'm not going to sit by the phone. Uh, and my producing partner, Tim Dorn, and I decided, you know what, let's just make a feature film because shorts don't make money yet. This was back in the day where nobody had cared about short content. Now the world lives on short content. But um, we were like, let's make a sh feature film because we can sell it and we will put ourselves in it. And we were just determined to make a film at all costs. Um, and made it to the finish line after eight days of shooting. But it took us two years to write the script and then another two years to promote it. So um, that's where it all started. I started right in the director's chair, right from day one. And then um, we have our production company and I think we're eight features in, eight features deep now. And they, they started like micro budgets and then they got a little bit fatter and then they slowly got bigger and bigger and bigger. And somewhere in there we did a 3D film too because we were wildly ambitious. Oh, we're gonna talk about <laughs> so that one, don't worry. Yeah, and uh, so that's that. So the story goes. So I actually, I, re I really love that kind of, the, when you're talking about when you were a kid, you would 
kind of put people in their positions and kind of like kind of do I guess live theater in a sense that that's just amazing I love that so much I loved it I loved it I loved it because you could play with the elements like the wind and sometimes there'd be a storm coming and I would time it to sunset you know it was very exciting I think the more the elements always the surprise I think the so. more underrated part is you managed to get a bunch of two to four year olds to actually listen to you <laughs> that's probably the I was like, this is going to be incredible. The show of your lives. You know, this is your one time to shine. And they were all like, okay. <laughs> that's, that's, see, that's the most impressive part of all this is you got them to listen to you. I mean, I'm out there still getting like, you know, 40 to 60 year olds out there to get pumped up every day to come to work to be like, guys, this is the greatest film you're ever going to make. I know it's hour 12. I know we're against the elements. We've been in the pouring rain, but we can do this. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you know, um, they're just a little bit older, but I'm trying to wrangle the younger side of them <laughs> still up the mountain, you know, uh, for sure. That's funny. I never even thought of that comparison, but <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so let's talk then a little bit more about, I guess a little bit, let's move a little bit later on to when you decide to go to Ryerson. Now, was mm -hmm. that all I guess to an extent always the plan or did you look at other schools kind of beyond that one it was my dream to go to Ryerson and I'm telling you I prepared like no other for like a year and knew it inside and out and practiced day and night I was one of those people who wanted to be overly prepared and and it, it was my dream to go to Ryerson and of course I got the letter in the mail I ran home, it was a small envelope, and I knew that that wasn't great news because all the kids that got accepted had a big envelope. It was a small envelope and it was yellow. I sat on the grass in my parents' <laughs> front porch and I was like, I have no backup plan. This can't happen. Like this, I and I opened the letter and I was on the waiting list. I didn't make the cut. They accept only 30 out of 1,500 auditioners. So I didn't make the cut. I accepted my fate and thought, okay, I might have to reapply next year. And I tried to accept another, I got scholarships everywhere else, like, but except Ryerson, and it's the only place I wanted to go. So I accepted a scholarship to go somewhere else, really local, close by to home. And then, you know, it was like September 3rd or something. I get a phone call from a 416 number at the house. So we answer. Isn't it Ryerson University? They decide that in two days, they're accepting two more students to the program. So they'll accept 32 this year, and I was 31 on the list. I didn't have a place to live. I wasn't accepted into like, you know, what's that cool? Residence, nothing. And they were like, can you, do you wanna join Ryerson this year? And I was just like, it's in two days. I have nothing. I will find the requirements. Mom and dad, can you take me there? Yes, okay. So I accept. And I like accepted within 30 seconds. Little did I know, like, you know, it was it was extremely challenging to try and find a place to live in Toronto. <laughs> but I didn't care. In the school I wanted. And I like packed my backpack and had pretty much paper and pen and started school, you know, just in the nick of time. I missed Frosh Week and everything because they accepted us so late into the program. But I'm so excited I accepted. I'm so I'm happy that, that I did because otherwise I would have been I don't know what doing what. I have no idea. <laughs> a lot of that story is like a little bit of PTSD um, because the university acceptances are. Although to see it's kind of sad because all the fun is taken out of it now because it's emails. 
So it's like, oh, male is so much more fun. Right. I know it's crazy. So much more romantic. I mean, the highs and the lows in the male takes so long to get there. Email's just so cold. And, and even, you don't know anything <laughs> because it's just like, it's just an email. Like it's the same thing no matter what. Hmm. That's like film festivals nowadays. It's like a green light or a red light. You're like, what? This is no fun. <laughs> it's like green or red. Whatever happened to the days of like a phone call and a package in the mail. Um, definitely old school like that. I feel, I feel that. Well, that's what happened. Yeah, that's how I got, that's how Ryerson happened. So then after Ryerson, you decide to go to LA, right? Because that's yes. where the film yes. is. <laughs> um, so why? Like beyond, I guess, the film, like what was part of that thing? Was there other parts of that decision? There were no other parts to that decision. Again, I was blindly ambitious and thought there's only one place in the world. It's the Mecca and it's the center of the entertainment industry. And I have to go. I mean, I was grounded. I was ready. I had a, I had a visa in place, like a student visa. And I had a few contacts from some films that I made. So um, when I got there, I volunteered and reached out to a producer and sort of did some like assistant work and was driving, you know, from Redondo Beach out into Beverly Hills and working for free. Meanwhile, the gas cost me way more than I could afford. But I was like, I've got to learn. I've got to pay my dues. <laughs> so I would, you know, get there and maybe walk his dog. Um, but anyways, through through it all, um, a year later, Tim and I decided that's it. We're going to make rock, paper, scissors the way of the tosser. And then we made our first feature. And, and again, that we sort of thought like, once we make one feature, you know, it's going to be easier and smooth. And it, it actually just got harder and harder and still is always getting harder and harder, but that's okay. Um, we skill wise, we know a lot more of what we're doing, but the industry, as you jump up in budget level, it's of course harder to sell and, and make your money back and keep sales happy and, critics now happy you know it's all of those things that you balance but also the studio happy yeah exactly because people give you the money to be happy too yeah exactly but we were bliss you know when we when we made rock paper scissors the way the tosser i find that film has this beautiful kind of like sense of wonder and bliss and naivete about it like we had no no barrier at all of like what people the backlash of what was about to happen like these people should never make movies you know like we just were like so ecstatic to be making our first feature film that that movie is so full of love and like two young puppies you know jumping off a cliff uh but if you haven't seen it it's really adorable it, it was it was a mockumentary so it's like making our very 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 low budget kind of be like our strength you know rather than it being a hindrance we sort of were like look the camera's in the shot and so are the mics and um so the anti-modern day Hollywood. Yeah, it's kind of like Christopher Guest style. It was fun. Very, very fun. Lots so of you said something there that I want to kind of talk, uh, like ask a little bit more about. So you said you didn't even think about kind of the reviews or whatever. What was the first like negative review which like affected you, I guess? Okay, look, <laughs> they're almost all negative, but that's just the way the world is. For some reason, um, the internet and stuff has made you know, there's positive ones, don't get me wrong, but you can't focus on them because if you did, you would never make another film. Like you would freeze, you would be frozen into the cyberspace that is kind of like 
attacking and bullying and like, what? Because you're going to be compared to Marvel films. They don't know what you'd make in your backyard. They compare it to a Marvel film, which has like, I don't know how many millions of dollars. And you're like, guys, we made this with our heart and our passion. And we borrowed this from this person. And we borrowed a car from our neighbor, you know, and that's my grandmother's house. And she made catering. And my mother put together the extras and the costumes. Um, people don't really know about that or care about that. They just look at like, is it as good of, as a Marvel, you know, as Superman this weekend? <laughs> um, and uh, so you just can't, you can't look at them, although you do have to look at them to learn from them. You can glance at them. Let's just say you glance at them and you learn from them, but you can't take them to heart because it's just so heartbreaking. I think I don't think you'd ever make another film. Um, and you want to keep your voice original and you don't want to get tainted and, and, terrified like you know you can't go into a movie super terrified of all the things you read before you kind of have to like read it you have one really bad weekend where you're like okay these are the things people really you know cut up and shred it up and you're like okay what can I learn from this these are my mistakes usually it all has to do with money to be honest because you just don't have the financing to do it like this visual effect looked disgusting and you're like I know I own two hundred dollars um but you know, you learn from those things and you move forward and you try to make the film better each time. And and as long as you're stepping forward and growing and you're truthful, you know, you're trying your best. So that's all you can ask for. And you learn, you learn from your mistakes. And I fell flat on my face so many times, but you get back up, you're bruised and you're bloody and you go. <laughs> I love that. I love just like how you just, you don't, don't care about the negative and you're just, and that's just, it's great. I don't like when filmmakers like kind of like, you, you can tell when they kind of decide, they try to like bend everything to make sure the reviewers are happy. And it's like, yeah. So now you said some things about Marvel, but we, you did do a few episodes of a DC show, Legends oh. of Tomorrow. Oh yeah. Don't worry. In a few years, I'll be actually, maybe next year I'll be doing some Marvel. I've got my name on there. <laughs> Mullen. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens in the next few years. So how did the, the Legends of Tomorrow thing start? And then we'll talk more about this Marvel thing. That, that was so much fun. I mean, I Legends of Tomorrow, they have such a unique tone. Their show is wild. And they every episode is so specific and unique. And they jump into a genre, full tilt. And I feel like um, that is their signature mark. And all of the actors go for it. The camera team, the, the team behind, you know, the incredible crew everybody is kind of like a chameleon like if we're doing a throwback to a chucky you know episode or i did a throwback to alien one of my episodes um whatever it might be everybody really you know gives it their all and it's a lot of fun because tonally it can be like a romantic comedy one and then it's like a horror one and then we do like a a slasher version uh, and it's just tonally so much fun to do and the cast is fantastic there's they're, they're they're all really dedicated. Uh, they communicate so well. They gel so well. They've been there for, I don't know, six, seven years. <laughs> and uh, they're all really good friends. All smart, too. They're great. Amazing cast. So kind of, so the one criticism that Legends in general and the most of the CWDC shows get is about kind of how they become, and it's because it's funny because you're talking about how you like your this original kind of unique style of thing of, of film. Hmm. And it's, it's in your filmography, it kind of shows that you like that. But then it kind of you, ha you then you're, you also do a show, which 
is being heavily critiqued for being very, you know, <laughs> cyclical and very, very much the same thing over and over. So that, like, did you find that at all? Or is that just like... Um, like when you do TV, you sort of are handed a script and that's your script and you do a block of two usually, and you just make the best with the blueprint you have. And I have a lot of fun and try to do some really ambitious, um, shots, whether that be technically or whether that's, you know, through with the actors, whatever it is, or VFX sometimes, whatever it is, I try to just up my game and, and enhance the TV show for, for what, you know, with whatever the script is that I get and, uh, they usually really go for it. I love pitching ideas and it's a lot of fun. So kind of going, let's talk a little bit about your 3D film. So the big, one of the big things that it says on, I think it says on your Wikipedia page actually, says Mullen is the first woman to direct a live action, a live action fully stereoscopic 3D feature film, Dead Before Dawn. So I want you to tell me a little, first of all, define what it is, because I feel like the majority of people don't know what that is. Yeah, no problem. So shooting stereoscopically is you're actually shooting in a 3D space. So you're shooting with two cameras and you're choosing the depth of field and the axis um, while you're shooting. So I had at the time, you know, 3D um, was never done at this budget level. And we had a red one camera, one sitting vertical and one sitting horizontal. So the left and the right eye. And you shoot both at the same time. And um, it was a s sitting on a quasar rig, which is, it weighs a ton. Nowadays, 3D is like, they mostly shoot side by side. And the rigs are so much smaller. They might weigh 20 pounds. Might. Um, back then, it was like 150 pounds. And we were dragging it up and down stairs and could barely move on Dolly. You know, it was like a huge, hefty rig. Uh, but it made, it got, I was... It was amazing because it forced us to be so innovative. And while I was shot listing, I got to really plant the camera, but then it created this really cool, unique 3D look because I would have the characters and block the characters within the 3D space. So they would be doing the moving. So it was a really immersive look into 3D rather than like things popping at you and sort of having it be gimmicky. It was more like we let the audience immerse themselves into the screen, which was really cool um, and a unique way to shoot 3D, although it was because of sort of the rig and the money. It, I think, created a really strong visual 3D adventure that audiences had not seen before. You know, the film did really, really well. Um, when it came out, 3D was sort of tapering down and no one cared. We're like, why didn't we shoot 2D? It would have been so easy. <laughs> Um, and I would have got probably like 40 more setups a day. But anyways, um, it was 3D and it did really well. Um, we had a lot of fun. We went and launched it in Russia and it had a great life. It did, it, it did really well in the 3D space. And uh, it goes down in history. Yeah. So, Alon, you wanted to ask a question about another movie she did or a few questions about another movie she did. Yeah, so not too long ago, I had the opportunity to watch Wander, which I, I thought it was really good. I actually really enjoyed it. And in this film, you worked with Aaron Eckhart and Tommy Lee Jones. Those two guys are pretty, pretty big name, uh, pretty big names in Hollywood. You know, Aaron Eckhart did uh, Olympus and London Has Fallen and The Dark Knight. And Tommy Lee Jones did U.S. Marshals, The Fugitive and Jason Bourne. So what was the experience like as a director working with those two big time men in Hollywood? You know, 
it was an absolute privilege and honor to work with them. They bring to the table such professionalism and love for the craft of acting. Both of them, although they've been doing it their whole lives, they have this, you know, commitment and love for the craft. Aaron is unreal um, in terms of dedication. He brings 10,000% all the time. He is unafraid, takes huge risks, has so many ideas, loves, you know, breaking, breaking scenes down and blocking it out and uh, working with the space and creating higher stakes making big choices as an actor and being very vulnerable at the same time. And we had such an amazing sort of, I always say it, we were attached at the umbilical cord. I was never, you know, more than a foot away from him while we were creating Wander. And that had a lot to do with his character too, because Arthur was sort of in a, a very vulnerable place. So that that's kind of why that film and why our relationship was so tight. You know, I, I was always within arm's length and, God, he was such a joy to work with. I He was so committed. Uh, and on screen, he's just electrifying. And then, you know, opposite Tommy Lee, there's this polarity into them. Like, the, the characters are so different, and their personalities are so different. Tommy's just so dry and so grounded, and he, he shows up by barely doing anything, and he's so present. You know, he sort of feels like he's throwing things away, but the subtext is so deep. And, uh, you know... With, when you're working with really, really phenomenal, big, big actors like that, uh, you always want to have a bit more time because you only get them for a short time frame. So normally you can rehearse on weekends or you can sort of work beats out um, before you go to camera. But with these guys, they just show up for the dedicated time. And so you're sort of like, have to make sure you have a little bit more time on the day and on the floor to be able to rehearse or run things or answer any questions. And, uh, you know, my indie spirit run and gun, like let's move, 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 move. I had to like calm down and, you know, enjoy the process of figuring certain beats out or, or changing certain, you know, lines and going back to the writer and sort of having these creative discussions, which I felt kind of like, was like a luxury. <laughs> like, this is so luxurious. I get to like talk shop, you know, rather than just shoot, 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 shoot. You know, you're just filming, 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 um, which was, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. You know, Wander, we were out in um, New Mexico and it felt like another world, another landscape. Uh, felt like we were on Mars. You know, we were in our own bubble, which uh, really worked well for the character and for the story again, for the conspiracy side of things. And it was just a, it was a wild ride out there, really. So kind of moving to a film, which we obviously have to talk about when we're talking about your career, is obviously Below Her Mouth. Um, you're probably your kind of, I guess, your most icon iconic? I don't know. Is iconic? Would you consider it your most iconic film? I don't know. You can decide. I, th I think it's your most iconic film because not only was this a movie which was amazing but also very well received and all female crew yeah back in the day before it was sort of like a thing to um it was before it's before like the women in film sort of microscope on you know what's actually happening how many you know percentages of female crew is there opposite you know male crew and i think it was we were way ahead of the curve and we did it because of the content like we wanted our actresses just to feel really safe in a queer space and and not feel um, like they were being judged or or just feel free to be themselves. And we just thought 
a best approach would be sort of like a queer and um, female sort of crew and all encompassing from top to bottom, whether that be broom or cam, you know, camera operator, uh, DP, editor, uh, you know, absolutely everything, which was hard to find at the time, but I'm so glad we did. And it was such a different experience than Wander. <laughs> it was really small, tight knit. And a lot of the times it was just myself, the operator DP, um, Maya Bankovich and and the actresses, you know, it was just a real tight circle. It was like the four of us kind of like micro working. And then there was an amazing team, still small, but an amazing team of support, like, you know, 20 max a crew that were just in another room. But it was a, it, that movie feels so alive to me, you know, it has these moments of spark and connection and chemistry, which is so hard to grasp in, in film and to make it feel like, you don't know we're watching. And I feel like Blow Her Mouth really captures that. We're like almost like a fly on the wall watching these two fall in love, which is usually so intimate and personal. And you don't usually get to see that moment of spark. And I feel like we were watching it real time and we were. So it was, a, you know, it was great to be able to capture that. And you couldn't do too many takes. It had to be fresh. So I, I ran two cameras and um, we only did one or two takes each time of the sex because I didn't want to do different angles and I didn't want it to get dry, you know, dry or, or feel like rehearsed at all. I wanted it to feel alive and fresh and all the little like bumps and hiccups and whatever, like I, I, I wanted it to feel perfect in an unperfect way, you know, or unperfect all the unperfections were perfect <laughs> if that makes sense perfect and, the imperfections uh, embrace that embrace that yeah so just the kind of the last question about that I guess is what made you decide to that this was that was something you wanted to do when I read the script it terrified me because I had never read something like it and it really explored female relationships, the female orgasm, the female voice, like what it is to fall in love, what intimacy means as a woman. Uh, and I had done absolutely nothing like it at all. It was so far removed from all of my other projects and feature films and TV and everything. And the voice of the script just felt so honest and so truthful. And then I met with Stephanie and Melissa. Stephanie's the writer and Melissa's the producer behind that. Um, film Coughlin and I just Stephanie Fabrizio and Melissa Coughlin's story was so honest and I couldn't help but fall in love with it and then I fully immersed like I was just like in below her mouth for I don't know two three years <laughs> I still am I think I'll always be uh, because once you make a film it's kind of like a, a beautiful scar that never leaves your body I guess Alon you want to ask some questions if it's about so obviously the director's title is arguably the toughest job on the film set. So in your personal experiences, what are the, some of the toughest conflicts you've had to confront and other challenges you've had in the films you've directed? I would say every day there's about 100 to 500 things that could go wrong. And they do. And it's kind of like when you're in the moment, you come in and you're so prepared. I have this beautiful binder. It's all, I love working with pencil. It's a click pencil and everything's so like laid out and perfect and it's your perfect film. But then once you arrive on set, there are so many factors that happen that you sort of have to surrender, which is, you know, you kind of like go to the abyss of 
the wild ride that is filmmaking. And it's kind of like a tidal wave and you have to surf it. And then there's like sharks and there's mountains and then there's some rainstorms and you just kind of have to navigate it as smoothly and as graceful as you can and also carry everybody on your back and make sure that everybody lands on land at the end of the day. Um, so I think when you're up against whatever those elements may be, like a location might blow up the day before or there might be a, an electrical storm and you can't use the crane walk off walk on shot that you've kind of like memorized and practiced in your head for two years which is like i call them little mini heartbreaks there's like a lot of those all day because you don't get the perfect opening shot that you know i've been dreaming of this extreme close-up and the diopters on the eye and um you just don't have time sometimes for those incredible kind of i just call them candy because they're like your bonus shots of the day and sometimes you just have to end up letting them go and you just have to tell the story or sometimes the blocking presents itself and it's way different than you thought or the sun went down too quickly or it's a rainstorm um and everybody has to go inside and yeah you had the you know you had the plan too but you didn't like it <laughs> you have to do it um so it's a bunch of little mini heartbreaks but you have to surrender you have to ride the wave because at the end of the day it's almost like the film takes on its own voice. And then once the film becomes this other beast, you know, the actors come, the day players come, the the sound, the composing, um, all of it kind of comes to a head and then you wrangle it in to what is now formed as the new feature film. So you walk around with something in your head for, you know, five years and then it all changes ever so slightly because that is what life does, I think. And because you're trying to capture human beings in fragile moments, which is life, which always changes and grows. And so it's, 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 it's a very interesting job. It's like capturing lightning in a bottle or a firefly when it sparks. And, you know, I feel like when I watch, um, I don't know, Angels in the Outfield or something. I feel like those movies, that classic movies, or Back to the Future, or Eternal Sunshine, or Run, Lola, Run, I feel like those movies have these, like, they kind of got, like, 70% of the lightning in the bottle. And I'm like, if I can make a film that even has 20% and then, like, 30%, and I try to get, you know, closer and closer, those are the movies that make an impact and last a lifetime. Um, but it's such a wild, it's such a strange and unique position and job and um like you said there are so many things that do and can go wrong but that's kind of life and you're capturing life and relationships and communications between people and these slices of life and then you hope to connect to audience members like the whole thing is just extremely fascinating when you think about why do humans like watching other human beings you know what is this fascination what why do we want to go to different worlds and different places and the whole thing, imagination is just a beautiful thing. And um, through the storm, the film will present itself. It'll still have all the pieces and magic that you wanted it to, but it will de definitely change along the way. And you kind of have to be okay with that, even though like sometimes I'm punching a wall, <laughs> but, but that's okay. Like, I think that, I think that that means I'm passionate. So um, that's all right. You always aim for, aim for the stars. <laughs> I, I, I hope you answered the question. No, you did 100%. I absolutely love, like, see, this is the thing. And I mean, it's kind of a off off the point of the interview. But anyways, I'm going to say it. Uh, you, you just, like, the passion you have is just amazing. I love it so much. It's like, 
It's a gift and a curse. <laughs> it's amazing. I love it. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit more about your let's okay, let's let's talk about Hello Stranger and and why you chose to do it. Oh, that's a good question. One that I have not really finessed, but when I read the script, um, and I always choose, really I do, I choose in the moment to where sort of I am and I don't question it. It's kind of like this intuition thing. And then later I'm like, oh my gosh, why did this happen? You, know, you work on a film and it's five years. You have to be like very committed to the same idea. You can't have a wandering eye and be like, oh, I love that script. Oh, I love that script. You can't, you have to stay so focused on the, on, and dedicated and committed to the script you chose, which is like an older version of you. Because as a human being, you sort of grow and transform so quickly. Um, and I always feel like by the time I'm done a film, I'm like, that's like April three years ago. <laughs> but that's okay. Um, at the time when I read it, what I loved about the material was it felt like a very unbiased kind of present two different sides of the story. Like Ken, hum, humanoid like simulates and human beings coexist together. And it gives you two different timelines and you watch them both unravel. For better, for worse, you're sort of kind of rooting for all of the characters. There's four main characters and you really are rooting for all of them. And then at the end, you're sort of like smashed in the face with a bunch of really harsh realities. And I loved that I didn't see it coming and I had no idea um, who I was rooting for. And then it made me question my own, you know, morals going in. And I loved that about it. You know, I, uh, when I saw her, I was like, oh no, this opens up a huge can of worms. Like, did he or did he not fall in love? It was programmed. That's not fair. He never really experienced love. And it made me like bonkers, like totally, totally bonkers. I was like, this is a problem. Like, what if the, in the future people won't have contact with each other, especially now COVID? I'm like, they won't be able to interact will be able to embrace like what about the falling in love and sort of braising each other's fingertips in an elevator stand you know and you're just like those are the moments you live for like that's what it's like to be a human being and uh, and then you know there's the argument on the other side it's like well who's to say that didn't happen for them they still had the same chemical reactions whether it was programmed or not with her let's say in the movie her was Scarlett Johansson programmed to give him exactly what he needed at the time of his loneliness. And, and he was chemically still, even though it wasn't tangibly real, it was real in his mind. And so those things made me like, ah! uh, because I'm like an avid, I believe so much in the human force of like what it, the fragility of humanity and connecting and love and all of those things. And like, what does that mean? And um, although it can be so tragic at times, I am obsessed with that aspect of life. And so this film really got under my skin when I read the script, it got under my skin and it made me feel so aggravated and angry, but also like inspired. And I didn't know where I stood anymore. It made me re-question everything. Um, so that's what happened. Basically the ending messed me up. And then I was like, I have to make this movie. <laughs> what so look at the ending so you're editing it now right you're finished on the ed i guess the, the toward the end for, of the editing process yeah 
going through yes. the editing process, what is kind of, I know you can't say much, but like if you, if you could vaguely say kind of what your favorite, like the thing that you kind of at the time were kind of like, eh, and then, but now you're like, oh my God, that's so good. Like, you know what I mean? Like what in the rushes did I think, uh, I don't know on the day and, but then now I love yeah. it. I, so we, we really took a big swing on the service androids. And, um, at first I was like, I wonder how this will pan out tonally. It's a big, it's a big swing, let's just say, but I'm like, oh yeah, I love it. You know, watching it, watching it, the film as a whole, it's definitely different. It's nothing I've ever seen before. You know, you, you, you don't want to do anything that people have seen before, like Ex Machina, there's so many iconic images of what service androids or simulates or um, what they would look like. And I really wanted to do something organic and sort of earthbound. And um, we did things with prosthetics and I'm really happy about that choice. But in prep, I was like, ooh, this could be, uh, you know, big thumbs down from like every YouTuber or whatever. <laughs> But um, I stand by the choice and I really like it. And all the performances um, on the day, I have to say, while we were shooting, I absolutely loved our our full cast. The leads were phenomenal and I they don't disappoint. And in the editing room, I'm just finding more and more gold. So I'm just so happy with uh, all, all of them. Sam Worthington was unreal in terms of his dedication. Again, somebody who gives 10,000%. Per, um, Simu Liu was and crazy, just like charisma out the wazoo. He's smart. He's intelligent. He's charismatic. Jordana Brewster gave a lot of heart. Like, I love the role. I think it's so different than anything she's ever played. A woman going through grief. It's so dimensional. And she she was so honest and vulnerable. And Robbie Amal is absolutely like leading man, hero star. And uh, was neutral, but had such a unique layer to him. Uh, because he needed to bring that. So everybody was just, you know, phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Is he better than his brother? <laughs> I don't know, because I've never worked with his brother. So I'm going to say yes, because I haven't, you know. Them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because I guess you're you because you did Legends. And I guess that was a, yeah, that makes sense. I, I never. Hey, your next project. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's actually amazing. And. I'm actually like really, really excited for that movie because it's like that kind of futuristic AI kind of thing. And I love that so much. Um, so let's talk. I'm asking you. Let me know hmm? when you, you have to let me know what you think when you see it. Oh, absolutely. I'm so excited. We'll pro we can have you back on before the thing so you can talk more about it when there's more Sounds information good. out, you know. Okay. So you talked a little bit about, you teased a little bit about the idea that you might end up directing a Marvel movie and I would not be doing my due diligence if I didn't ask for more details. <laughs> um, there's nothing to say yet. Just keep your eyes peeled. Who's your favorite Marvel character? <laughs> That's way too hard. I don't know. that I couldn't pick. Who's yours? You have to narrow it down. I mean, my, mine is Tom Holland, but, you know, Spider-Man, but... Oh, it's so hard. I, I don't know. I can't pick. Yeah, I'll get back to you on it. <laughs> Who's your favorite Marvel actor? Who's my favorite Marvel actor? Again, that's so hard. 
I'm at a loss for words. I'm not good at narrowing it down. There's so many reasons why I like so many different um, actors and films. I can't. I can't pick. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll get you, let you off the hook there then. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to do a little bit of a rapid fire type thing. It's not really rapid fire, <laughs> but <laughs> we're going to call, we call it rapid fire. Just for free. Okay. I don't know. So what's your favorite, all-time favorite movie? I know you don't like, I know this is just like harder version of the question I just asked. You have to pick one. Okay. Top three. There's, di- there's different moods that I'm in for different times. I, movies that changed me when I watched them was like Run, Lola, Run, Eternal Sunset of the Spotless Mind, the original Alien. Uh, okay, that's enough because I'm not allowed to keep going. Oh, you I love keep everything. Going. I don't want that. Um, okay, but I better stop because if you don't, I'll just keep going. Okay, so then what? Give me top five. I in the mood for love too. <laughs> top top five favorite like, kind of like just turn on the background movies. I can't do that because if you put a movie in front of me. I can't turn away. Same as like, you know how some people watch TV before they go to bed or music? If you play music before I go to bed, I'm like making amazing music videos in my head and I cannot <laughs> fall asleep. Um, or if I'm, you know, if there's TV playing in the background and I'm supposed to fall asleep, I'm just like watching them, watching the shot, watching their wardrobe, watching the lighting. I just, it's, there's, I don't have like a numbing anything, series or whatever. Um, that I go to again and again. I just am like, when I'm watching, it's like my undivided attention. I, I, that's, that's amazing. And I, like it to an extent is like, for movies, like if you put a movie on, I'm just like, I don't, I can't, I can't focus on anything else, but TV I can the, do, but cause I don't like TV, but. I know. So what's your, what movies are you currently watching or TV shows are you currently watching? I'm in the thick of doing Hello Stranger, so I'm not really watching that much right this minute. And I'm about to shoot a pilot um, uh, series in about a month. So I'm like deep in that. So I just finished watching the series Hacks um, because it was sort of like for research. (laughs) Um, I'm guilty. I haven't been watching that much. Oh, I I just saw Station Eleven, actually. And it was awesome. Did you ever see Station Eleven? I haven't seen it, but you'll love it. It's also going to my list. Check it out, Station Eleven. Okay. You can binge two days. I, I don't binge. That's not my. I can't do it. <laughs> the, I don't have the attention span to binge. <laughs> no, but it's fantastic. Check it out. I love the music. I love the lighting. Um, <laughs> I love the performances. Okay, what's your favorite song? Or top five, top three. Okay, I'll give you, I'll let you list. It's so, so hard. Okay, it depends again on my mood. Like sometimes there's Radiohead, it just transcends. And, and I have a Pink Floyd thing. I have a Beatles thing. Um, I have a Bonnie Vare thing. I, I can't, I cannot pick a song. And I love like La Bamba. <laughs> like random songs like that like it depends on my mood it really does like I love classical music I love Johan Johansson like that's what I shot list to um and I can't help myself like the the last song in Wander the sun goes dim I can't that 
I love that song. Um, and I'm so excited that I got to actually put it in the film. I begged and begged and begged them. I, call, I, I called them. I emailed them. I was just like so insistent. I was like, I, I've been shot listing this for five years. It, it is the, it, it basically defines who Arthur is. It has to be the end song. I can't do it without it. And it's in the movie. And I'm so, I love that song. Um, I have too many songs. I really do. Okay. Ra- next rapid fire one. Alon, you want to go? Top three favorite books. <laughs> We're gonna keep, oh, no. We're going to keep making you list things just so you know. <laughs> Gosh. Oh no. I don't know. This is terrible. Most recent book you read? I I um okay, most recent book I've read. I just read scripts day and night. <laughs> um, I'm reading a book about grief right now. Um which I forget what it's called. It's over there. Oh, it's okay that you're not okay. Oh. I think that's the title. That's actually... I, that was the kind of a not expected answer. I know. Well, I'm just being honest. Um, I lost my mother in September and oh. it, my whole life has changed. And she's like, whatever spark you see of like the passion and love I have for life is from my parents and my mom. So I'm sort of trying to understand what the world can ever be. Um, so that's why I'm reading that. I'm sorry for your loss. But... Thank you. Um, so I'm not going to make you list any more things. I'm going to make you do something something okay. that might actually end up being harder for you. Um, oh, my. Okay, so I'm going to give you unlimited money. I'm going to give you whichever actors in Hollywood you want. What's the film? It's like a mix between... Um, Eternal Sunshine and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Who's I? I love the choreography and intensity between um, martial arts and let's say like Qigong or something. I don't know. And and um, Eternal Sunshine for its love and passion and innovation in terms of shooting and I don't know. In my head, um, it's called Golden Swallow. And who star? Who's the star? Or stars. It's a, it's a brand new name, I think. I love working with actors that aren't overly trained, although I love actors too. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I don't want all of this to go down in record, and it's going to because YouTube, um, which hence is a big, you know, trouble. <laughs> but, uh, I like the freedom of basically like going out into the woods and shooting something you know, in the old fashioned sense of like not having the trailers and the, and the gear and have like, you know, 400 crew, which I appreciate and love, but there's something so um, raw about just getting a backpack and shooting it on my iPhone or something, which I'm not going to, but you know what I mean? I love operating and I love sort of being intimate and close with the action and what's happening and a freedom and like not worrying so much about, structure and script and stuff would be nice although i'm in a world where we polish and polish and polish a script for like four years before we go to so i think it's all kind of like ooh, very spacey but anyway uh it would be I nice need this movie made maybe it's like natural geographic and just looking at a tiger and being present with the tiger. i need this movie i really need it um so 
Okay, hold on. Do you want to ask the last question? The question you ask everyone who comes on. Yeah. Um, what uh, what advice do you have for young aspiring Canadian directors who want to you know succeed in that role of director? What what, what uh, tips would you give them for success? Most importantly, is be creative every day. Start creating material that is your voice and your truth immediately. Don't try to mimic or be anyone but you and be bold in in that voice and believe in it. Never doubt anything. Don't take no for an answer. You'll get no's all the time. Just like kind of let them roll off your back. Um, learn from your mistakes. Don't be afraid to fail. Failure's growing and learning. You'll achieve more and uh, just keep going one step in, in front of the other and, and find something that you love and hold on to it and make sure there's a balance of life and work because sometimes what we do, we get so obsessed and we go into this like rabbit hole of passion um, while we create something, but make sure you have a good balance, which is really funny that April of like five minutes ago would have been like, just work, you know, like I was like working, I don't know, 18 hours a day, all of my 20s. But make sure you enjoy life in all of its beauty and um, and and the way you see the world is unique to you. So make sure that that's a part of your voice when you're creating. But do not let a day go by where you don't create if you're if you're meant to create and um, do that. Make sure you do that. Go be go be you. I'm not even kidding. I just looked at the time and I realized how long how if that has been 48 minutes and I'm like like I'm not even joking. I could literally like keep asking you questions and listen to your answers for hours. I'm not even joking. <laughs> but Thank me. but alas the um the, it's been 49 minutes and I just looked at the clock and I'm like, "Oops." Um so thank but thank you so much for coming and thank you so much for um, you know, taking time out of your day to talk to us and hopefully inspire people. And I know that I, I don't, I just enjoyed this conversation so much. Um, I love it. And, um, you two keep creating and shining your light and, uh, thanks for having yeah. me. And so everyone, you can follow her on social media. Are you on all the social medias? I really, um, I haven't been just with what happened with my mom, but I will be back on Instagram and that's my main thing. So Instagram, I'll come back. I promise I'm, I'm going to do it very soon. And I, and it's me. So yeah, I'm on Instagram. So yeah. And the handle is April underscore Mullen. If I'm not, okay. Yeah. So my research is correct. Um, I have some, because all of Hello Strangers adventures are going to come up very soon. So, so yeah, that's, so follow her there. She's, as you can tell, <laughs> amazing and loves her work. And that's amazing. That makes it so much more fun. I do. I absolutely love it. And have an amazing And thanks so much again for yeah, having me. Yeah, and everyone, me. don't forget to like, subscribe, you know, all that stuff. I'm not, I don't even know why I say it anymore. Um, you know. Yeah, well. These are working. Yeah, and so thank you all for coming, watching. And next Monday, uh, which is, I think, the first Monday of July. So that will be the next episode of something of this so yeah see you all next time bye my dog say hi <laughs>